This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A music means that it's the food show. And this is the wife, Marianne Fitzmaurice, sitting in for Tom today. All by myself, solo. So that means uh, give me a call because I'm going to need someone to talk to. 260-6368 is the number. I, I think that today is uh, is a wonderful day. It is National Crab Meat Au Gratin Day. And I had a great crab meat au gratin for lunch. And there are lots of crab meat au gratins around town. And uh, if you have one that you know of that you really like, I would definitely be interested in hearing it. We went to uh, Bosco's on the North Shore for lunch today. And... Uh, I got a muffalata as a, well, we had to take a, a picture of it for the website, nomenu.com, because we're going to be talking about muffaladas there. And uh, crab meat au gratin just happened to be the special. And so I got it. I was kind of hoping that they would have crab claws there because they have really, really great crab claws. But uh, I had to settle for the crab meat au gratin. They did have excellent bread from Angelo's for the muffalata, which is kind of essential to the muffalata. The bread is a really key ingredient. And the fun part about the lunch was that Tom, who is always joking with the rest, with the uh, the server about garlic and sardines. Everything is garlic and sardines to Tom. So usually the response from servers is that they're puzzled they look at me for an explanation. Sometimes they understand right away that it is a joke, but for the most part, they really kind of think he's serious. And so if he's talking about garlic or and sardine ice cream or whatever it is, uh, they, they want to give him what he wants. So today we actually had an unusual experience. The server did come back with two sardines and uh, actually, they weren't sardines; they were anchovies, and um, and a, like a pile of garlic salt. It was the first time that any server has gone through that much trouble to respond to one of Tom's silly jokes, with the exception of one night at Pat Gallagher's when uh, he asked for a pet bunny, which was also a favorite shtick of his, and. Um, the waitress came back with one of those cloth animals that she had crafted herself back there, like the ones that you get on cruise ships. And so that was those are the two times that I've ever seen someone get so invested in one of Tom's jokes for a server. Anyway, 260-6368 is the number. Tom will be back tomorrow. And on Friday, we have uh, two special guests. We have um, Danny Millen from formerly Kava, which he has closed and sold in order to open Azul, which is a sports bar 
um, right in Lakeview as well. And Tommy from Tommy's Restaurant and from Tomas Bistro and the empire that he created, a lot of it real estate, which he finally sold and is now retired on a horse farm across the river. And if he's not riding horses, he's flying his plane. So nice. Good job for him. And and he is actually an immigrant from Mexico. Those guys all came over together, Tommy and Danny and Octavio, who runs the Besh Restaurant Group now. So uh, good good example of the American dream in action. Two six zero six three six eight. So I'm get, I have so many Porter and Luke's, Doug, that I'm just going to go ahead and do a Porter and Luke right now. Porter and Luke, we have talked about so many times on this show, and I'm sure that you have determined that I am a huge fan of Porter and Luke, as I am. We go there, my daughter and I, fairly often because... She has a house not far from there, and since we're working on that house, it's a quick place to run over for lunch. But that's not the reason that we go to Porter and Luke, because there are plenty of other places we could run for lunch in the Metairie area. We go to Porter and Luke because we love Porter and Luke. We love the comfort food that they serve at Porter and Luke. She likes the wedge salad, which you can get with crab meat, which she doesn't eat, or shrimp remoulade or fried oysters. Uh, She gets a salad with fried chicken. If you don't want fried chicken on a salad and you want a big old pile of fried chicken, they do that. And it's quite good. As a matter of fact, they're sort of famous for it. And I love the club club sandwich at Porter and Luke. To me, it's the best in town. They tend to serve it with a uh, honey mustard dressing, and I ask them to sub out the mayo for it, which is exactly the right way to do it for me, and, and it's delicious. They have fresh-cut chips, and it's a big pile of sandwich and crunchy goodness, and that's what I get. Porter and Luke has all kinds of things, and since I have four times to tell you about it, we'll just go through their menu piece by piece in each commercial. But Porter and Luke is over there on Metairie Road, 1517 Metairie Road, in the shopping center where Walgreens is, right next to Canseco, which is next to Oakland Heart. So go pay them a visit. Porter and Luke, they are now open on Sunday, serving brunch, but that is not all they do there. On Sunday, you can get the regular menu as well. That's Porter and Luke. I love Tom's Almanac. It's kind of addictive, and I was reading it a little bit before I came on the air. And today uh, is the day that George Bush, the first, 41, was quoted with his rant about broccoli. And if I'm sure you've heard it. I mean, you might not. If you're younger, you, you might not have heard it because that was a long time ago when he was president. But... Today, he said, I do not like broccoli, and I haven't liked it since I was a little kid, and my mother made me eat it. And I'm president of the United States, and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli. Now, look, this is the last statement I'm going to have on broccoli. There are truckloads of broccoli at this very minute descending on Washington. My family is divided. For the broccoli vote out there, Barbara loves broccoli. She has tried to make me eat it. She eats it all the time herself, so she can go out and meet the caravan of broccoli that's coming in. George Bush was born today in 1925, recently deceased, but uh, probably died not liking broccoli. And I'm guessing, having been president of the United States, didn't eat a whole lot of it after that. My 
son's mother-in-law does something with broccoli that I think is different, and I wouldn't expect to like it, but I actually think it's a pretty great thing to do. Broccoli, to me, is... There's also another thing in Tom's Almanac about, about canned vegetables and how mushy they are. Broccoli, when it becomes overcooked, kind of just wilts and is sort of nothing. But if you get broccoli, and if it's, if it's not cooked well enough, then it's crunchy and also not good. But there's a certain point where you cook broccoli, and if you hit it, I always call it the sweet spot. If you hit it at the sweet spot, broccoli's pretty great. But my, my son's mother-in-law does something with broccoli that is, is it, takes, it sort of kicks it up a notch. She, she cooks it to the sweet spot, and she always does hit the sweet spot. But then she takes lemon, and she squeezes lemon over it. And I don't think it really has a lot of flavor with regard to broccoli, but for some reason, it perks it up in a way that makes it even better than it normally is. And I, I've come to doing it that way myself when I cook broccoli, which is really rare. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. If you've been eating anywhere good lately, I'd like to hear about it. Uh, I feel like I'm eating just about all the time now. So I have lots and lots of stuff to talk about, about places that we have eaten. Also at Bosco's today, Tom got a salad with his chicken parm and uh it was it, it, the the salad the the dinner salad or the salad that you get free with your entree there is one of the best in town i don't know why even it's very crisp lettuce and it's soft tomatoes but the dressing is this really fresh, really light, olive oily, wonderful, herby kind of dressing. And it's got all of the elements that make a great salad dressing, particularly a light salad dressing, in exactly the right proportion. And it's really good, and it's really light enough where it doesn't really affect your appetite. It's just say it's like it's sort of like it's sort of like an amuse bouche. It sort of perks up your palate. Do we have we have okay, we have a caller, so let's get Ron, the gourmet waiter, I guess, on the phone. Hi Ron. Hi Marianne, how are you doing? I'm all right. You? Doing very well. I thought since the cat was away, the mice will play, and we can segue right into sandwiches, if that's okay with you. I'd love to segue into sandwiches, because I love sandwiches. I do, too. I've always said they're underrated as a meal. I know. You said that, I've got a I couple think... of things that I was uh, thinking about from yesterday's call, and it's about sandwiches. These are things that I do at home when I want to just eat something a little different. What I'll do is I'll take some pizza dough, which I make from scratch, and I'll roll it out. And I make sandwich ideas into pizzas. Okay. An example of that would be I'll make a muffalata pizza. Mm -hmm. I'll get two or three types of deli meats, two or three different types of cheeses, and olive salad, and spread all that out and put that right into the oven. And I've got a muffalata pizza. Yeah, works for me. 
What uh, else do you do? Eggplant Parmesan is another one that I do. Sometimes I'll do an eggplant Parmesan, but I'll do this open face on French bread. That way I don't have to mess with the pizza dough. Mm-hmm. I just spread the French bread out, cut it, and then put, uh, I just use tomato paste with some seasonings, uh, probably thyme, parsley, oregano, maybe marjoram. And I'll put that right into the tomato paste, and I'll rub that tomato paste right on the bread. And then I'll fry up a little uh, eggplant and then come back in with uh, a little Swiss cheese and then some Parmesan cheese. And now you've got an eggplant Parmesan open face po' boy. How much do you cook? It sounds like you cook a lot. Do you eat much out or do you mostly eat in, at home? I eat almost every meal at home these days because I can cook very well. And I just... Uh, I love cooking. Yeah, well, clearly you do. You can you can tell <laughs> when you start talking about it how much you love cooking. And I mean, I you were the gourmet waiter, I don't know if you're still doing that, but if you if you're in a restaurant all the time and you you don't I, I can't imagine that you would want to also eat out all the time. So I think that it would be a nice uh, diversion to be cooking at home. Do you cook just for yourself? Uh, I cook for myself. I've done some mild catering, as I call it. Mm-hmm. I've competed in uh, competitions. I won one. Mm-hmm. For and, barbecue uh, or what? Uh, this was a jambalaya competition <gasps> that was a fundraiser for a Elmwood. Tell me your jambalaya recipe quickly. Well, what I did is I made a seafood jambalaya, knowing that jambalaya comes from paella. What I did is I made them a paella, but I put paprika into it to make it look orange, more like jambalaya. Mm-hmm. So basically you made a paella. Yes. You know, I'm not a huge fan of paella, but I I am of jambalaya. I don't think they're the same. Um, I definitely think there's more of a meatier taste to our jambalaya and more of a seafood taste to a Spanish paella. Yeah, I agree, because I end up putting three different things in my jambalaya. I typically put uh, some kind of sausage, I put chicken, and then I'll put shrimp. See, I don't I don't like jambalaya. That, I mean, I'll eat it if it's there, but I don't really care to mix the meat and the seafood together. For some reason, I don't like those two things together. To me, they're two different universes, and they don't belong together. But that's just me. I mean, there are lots of jambalayas that have both of those things. But making it myself, I would not put the seafood in it. I yeah, would just if I go. put the shrimp in, I'm going to either go with a beef stock or I'm going to go with a chicken stock. So all you're getting basically is the shrimp flavor is just from the shrimp. They yeah. don't take over the dish. Yeah. You know what? I, um, I, I have this. I don't put my own spices in jambalaya. I use the box. I, I cheat. I admit it right out in front of God and everyone. Um, I use... Tony's. And you bake it in an oven. I remember you I I remember do, the show. You but, bake it in the oven. But, you know, I also have come to um, get like a pulled pork that has a lot of fat in it. And when I'm doing... Uh, when I'm doing the vegetables, I will also either do that with sausage or throw some pulled pork, like smoked pulled pork in there and just get that pork fat flavor and uh, and yeah. just throw that in there, too. But, I mean, I, you can kind of not go wrong with jambalaya. I mean, it's rice, it's meats, you know. How far I agree. Can you I go? think you said that sometimes you use a rotisserie chicken. 
I do, but I try not to. I would rather use like a smoked chicken, um, sure. like from barbecue, or do it myself. But um, in a, in a pinch, I will do a rot- rotisserie chicken. Yeah, but not the barbecue the flavor because I think that's like smoked smoked chemicals or something. The barbecue flavor. Yeah, the, the thing I've noticed in cooking is I don't like smoked meats with tomato for some reason. Hmm. I've never just, thought of that. I, I just, yeah, it just, I've tried it. I, I put smoked meats in a jambalaya. And yeah, but I see, I don't I like rather... tomato in jambalaya. To me, I like the brown so jambalaya. Do I do the brown jambalaya. Yeah, so no, as a matter of fact, I don't more... like tomato at all. If it's red, I'm not going to eat it. Okay. I mean, I, I don't mean to be so <laughs> draconian, but uh, but no, well, I'm not... You... I'm not a fan what of What would you tomato. normally put in your jambalaya? Maybe like an andouille sausage? I do, I do andouille. I do the chicken. I do um, some pork with fat, and that's it. And then I do the spices from the box and uh, vegetables. I do the, the, the holy trinity. Onions, garlic. It's pretty simple. Pepper, I mean, celery. I do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't do garlic. I just do the celery, onions, and bell pepper. And I, I usually render that off with the sausage so you can get the, you know, the, the sausage flavor in there. And then yeah. I'll, I'll get some water and deglaze the pan and use that water along with the chicken stock to flavor the jambalaya. Have you ever used a blonde roux in your jambalaya? No, I don't. I don't. I don't ever really do roux. And in fact, I used to only do roux when I made chicken gumbo. But I'll tell you what. There's a guy that started inviting us to a party maybe two or three years ago, a Christmas party, and it was celebrating his his gumbo. Apparently, he's kind of famous in his circle, like he lives in an uptown neighborhood and the whole bunch of them, and, and also through Jesuit High School. And um, I try that gumbo, and it is, it's killer, and he doesn't use a roux at all, and it's, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, so, you can thicken up with other things. I made a uh, I made a gumbo one time, and I used sweet potatoes as the starch to thicken it up. Mm, was it sweet? Uh, no, it was actually delicious. And now it was orange in color, but it it had seafood in it. It was a seafood gumbo. Yeah. It was a Paul Prudhomme recipe from mm, a long time ago. I see. But okay. about about gumbo, one of the things that I do, I don't like a whole lot of fat in my gumbo. I don't like that greasy layer on top. Oh, I do. So <laughs> I, I bake I bake my roux. It's nothing but flour. Uh huh. Well, I'll you know, put a two-pound bag in the oven, and then and then once it's brown, I put it in little uh, freezer bags in the freezer, and now I've got roux for six months. That's cool. I like that idea. Okay, Ron, uh, Doug is starting to okay. uh, have that look of antsiness as we have to get to a commercial. But thank Great you very show. much thank for calling. Again. Talk to you later. Bye. You're welcome. Two six zero six three six eight. We'll be back. We are back. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris sitting in for Tom today. He will be back tomorrow, and we will both do the show. Tomorrow and Friday, we will have uh, guests, two guests, in fact, two old friends and old friends of ours, Danny Millen from the Coming Up Azul and uh, Tommy from Tommy's, um, Tommy Andrade, who is has a long history here starting at the, well, actually, he started before the Sazerac, but he was probably most well known for his long stint as the maitre d' Uh, to end all mater d's uh, at the Sazerac in um, in the Roosevelt Hotel. Two six zero six three six eight. They'll be here on Friday talking to Tom and me. Today is also um, the day that Good and Plenty, the candy, was first rolled out.
And Tom has a saying, and I don't know if if this is Tom saying or if this was probably some comedian said this. Uh, Licorice is the liver of candies, and it absolutely is. So licorice is a very strong flavor. You either really, really like it or you really, really don't like it. And its cousin flavors are anise and tarragon. And I like tarragon, and I really like anise in an Italian sausage, but I really don't like licorice, the candy, at all. Are you a licorice lover? Because... I would like to know in the general population what the percentage of people who like licorice actually is. It's been around this good and plenty can candy good and plenty candy came out in 1928. So gosh, that's uh that's almost 100 years, like 91 years ago. So um it's been a long time for them to still be around. So somebody must be eating good and plenty. And I see people eat licorice or I, I, I see kids eat licorice. Licorice is such a strong flavor. I'm surprised that kids would like it. But I guess if you're going to eat licorice, you probably start eating it as a kid. And I don't know if you like licorice, what other unusual flavors you're attracted to. But I've always said, you know, people will say, well, you you know, you have to just develop a taste for something. And I I always say, I already, I already like too much stuff. I need to get rid of some of the things that I like. I don't need to develop any taste for anything, really. Uh, I don't really want to acquire a taste for any more food because I've already, <laughs> I've already got too much on my list that I eat too much of. 260-6368 is the number. That's 260-MENU. Do you like licorice? And if you don't like licorice and you do like some of those other flavors that are kind of associated with licorice, I don't know if they're made from licorice or if if they're like, I don't know, is anise? I have to look this up. See, Tom would be able to answer this if he was right here. Anise is the primary flavor, and licorice is made from anise. Okay. All right. Doug is shaking his head. Yes. Okay. So anise is the flavor, and licorice comes from that. Okay. So Doug's going to help me out here. Is that right, Doug? Uh, yes. Okay. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, anise is a seed. Yes, anise, it is. Okay. Uh-huh. So it's a seed, and so the uh, the flavor for licorice is extracted from the seed and made into that stretchy black stuff. That's right. Uh-huh. That Smith like, Brothers cough drops. Ah. Uh, Okay. Do you well now? Wait a sec. Oh no, I like the I like the wild cherry. Yeah, those were very good too. Now those yeah. are good. I mean, but licorice, I would buy a box of those and put the whole thing in my mouth. I, well, I would buy a box of those and eat them one by one. But oh. you're not supposed to if it's if it's cough medicine. Although well, I kind of think it I probably didn't have a cough wasn't. I know. At all, you know. I know, but it was good. It was definitely good. Uh, do you eat the stringy licorice? The s- oh sure, you mm-hmm. do. Absolutely. Okay. So you yeah. like that? You yes, like I do. That. Okay. And you can have all my broccoli. Okay, that's fine. That's fair enough. It's such a good trade. You can have all my licorice and I'll have all your broccoli. Deal. All right. Two six zero six three six eight. I'm very curious if you are a licorice fan. Uh, if you if you eat a lot of licorice. I mean, Doug, do you eat a lot of licorice? Is that something that you actively seek out? No, I probably drink more liquor than I do eat licorice, <laughs> to tell you the truth. 
and not very much of that either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, licorice is something that you. Um, I, I I can't imagine that you don't acquire a taste for it. I find it hard to imagine that some kid would pick up one of those stringy pieces of black candy, and uh, and and automatically like it. I don't know. Let's go to Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary Ann. How you doing? I'm all right. Thanks. I uh, was just wondering if you had a chance to try a Mexican Coca-Cola yet. No, I didn't. I haven't. You know, I saw it a day or two after you uh, called about it, and I was tempted to buy one and then do the tasting on the air, but I did not. And then I forgot about it, to be honest with you. Okay, but well, I do want to do that. I do. I hope you get a chance to, and I'll uh, check in with you later and see what you think. Are you a licorice person before you go? You know, if you okay. got to think about it that hard, probably not. It's okay. I prefer uh, a good German red shoestring licorice. But um, wait, is red licorice different than black licorice? Yeah, I thought licorice was licorice. What? No, it's strawberry flavored. Oh, that's fake. But, but to a, yeah, to a licorice aficionado, uh, red is not licorice. No, it's so. not licorice. Actually, Doug, um, licorice root is there's a root, so I'm gonna have to look this up because yeah, yeah. yeah because I think it comes from a root, and yeah. I wonder if anise seeds are part of the plant that is the root and the seeds are all related in the same plant. Are you looking it up, Doug? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Um, the Jelly Belly black licorice yeah. is actually really good. Um, okay. The, the jelly, jelly Belly Jelly Bean. Well, it's, uh, there's probably a lot yeah. of sugar uh, in it. You know. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one I like, but um, um, it, most of them are. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably got sugar in it. That's why you like it. Anyway, I'm all right, sure. check with me on the Mexican vanilla because, um, but you see, if you, Mexican if you, I'm mean, not the Mexican, the, the Coke. If you like Mexican Coke because it's not so sweet, then it's a wonder that you like the jelly beans because those are super no, sweet. No, no, I, I like it because it has cane sugar and not a high fructose corn sweetener. I see. Okay. Okay, yeah. so it's not a sweetness okay. thing; it's just a, a health thing. All right. Well, I, it's just the fla- it's the flavor of the sweetener, in my opinion. So, and you can tell the difference. Okay, all right. Oh, really? Well, okay. now you, you see, you got me curious again. I'm going to have to try and, and remember to do that. Stop in somewhere. Right. And do it. I'll, I'll, right. hold you, I'll hold you to it. Okay, right, thanks, Paul. Bye. Two six zero six three six eight. Doug has something to yes. Uh, okay. Proffer. Okay. The, the, licorice is a uh, plant by itself. Oh, licorice. Uh, which way ever you it's 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 extracted from the root and you're absolutely correct there now there are other plants that are related to it okay one of which is anise okay the other one is star anise the other one is fennel right okay yes and 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 Mm -hmm. is tarragon in that family tarragon is not anywhere near there well i think that tarragon must be made from something like I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up, too, because but tarragon is that same flavor. It's in that same flavor profile. So it comes from one of those things somewhere for sure. I see no mention of it. But licorice root, I knew, was uh, something that I had I had heard of before. So this is what we need Tom for. He knows all these things just right off the top of his head. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. That's two six zero menu. Uh, we are talking sort of kind of about licorice. 
and uh, broccoli, and I will keep going on various things on on Tom's Almanac until something does catch on. In the meantime, I will also talk about uh, food that we have had recently. Last night we went to Del Porto, which I've decided is my favorite restaurant in town, period. People have asked me for a long time, what's your favorite restaurant? And I'm always just like overwhelmed by that question and I go blah 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 and I don't I I would say that this is the first time I can actually answer that question definitively Del Porto is my favorite restaurant in town period I could answer that question for the entire world for a long time that's Bottega Louie in Los Angeles but I've never been able to answer it here. I mean, I like a lot of restaurants here, but I decided yesterday at Del Porto that that's it. That's the number one for me here. The answer to do you want to go to Del Porto is always going to be yes. If the answer is do you want to go to Del Porto or fill in the blank, the answer is going to be Del Porto. That's it. It's my favorite restaurant. So we happened to go... um, Probably got there about five minutes before six when the happy hour ends. I'm a huge fan of happy hour. It's a great idea. I don't know who had it, but it's a great idea. Thank you to whoever that was. Um, And they were having um, a a pretty extensive menu. They had like two wines. I didn't look at cocktails. But the menu for the happy hour was pretty vary. They had about, I don't know, eight things on it, all of which were incredibly good. And I wanted to try them all, but they're just, you know, you just can't. But um, we got a pizzetta and a little tiny dish of ricotta nudi and some frito misto. Frito misto. I think that's how you say it. And Essentially, what that is is a a basket of fried. That's pretty much what it is. You see it in Italy with a piece of paper wrapped in a cone and a pile of whatever they're feeling like frying that day. Could be mushrooms, could be artichokes, could be um, shrimp or fish and That's it. It's just fried vegetables and usually fish and shrimp. And so they were serving that, and all of these appetizers were from the regular menu at half the price. And now, in the case of the nudie, it was really small, but um, the the Frito Misto was a pretty good size, and the Pizzetta was really pretty big. It was superb. The pizzetta was superb. It was a really thin crust, and it had little bits of steak on it. And it could, it could be a better pizza than just about any place I can think of. If you put that pizzetta in front of me, And any other pizza that I can think of in recent memory, I would go for it. It was really, really that good. But again, not surprising because 
I've never had anything there that I didn't not just like, but love. So, um, and it's not only the food. I mean, it's 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 the whole package. The place is gorgeous, and it's just a really great, great place to go. I love it. Anyway, I'll tell you some more about that dinner in a minute. But we have a caller, and I stop cold for caller. 260-6368. Steve. It's me. It's Steve. How are you, Steve? Um, I'm good. Uh, I'd rather slam my hand on a car door than eat licorice. Yeah, oh yeah. I agree. <laughs> but I never really think of it in those terms. I just don't even think about eating it. It's just like off yeah, the radar. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to think but about I that. But I do like anise. And I do I too. I do like yeah. fennel. Yeah. I mean, they're they're like cousins, you know? Yeah. But, I, but they're so much milder. I mean, it's it's not even close. Well, they're kind of pleasant, whereas licorice, I don't really think is. We used to give my my stepfather loved anise, I mean licorice. Uh huh. So we'd give him, you know, good size box of licorice every year. <laughs> Which is probably cheap because it's just like a pile of oh, yeah. yuck. Yeah, but, it's a pile but of he yuck. He loved it. Nobody uh-huh. would touch his. You know, his supply of licorice. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite the same as having a stash of chocolate yeah, almonds right. dusted in coconut. Your supply right. of licorice is probably going to be safe from other people. Yeah, anybody, yeah. Want, anybody want some licorice? Yeah. No, get it out of here. Yeah, Go away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't uh, know. If, I even know if it has a smell. I don't. I've I've not encountered it often enough to even realize if it's if there's a smell. But I just don't like it at all. I stay away from it. Um, yeah. Uh, crab meat au gratin. I love Sal and Judy's. Mm-hmm. Crab meat Absolutely. au gratin. Absolutely. Their crawfish au gratin is better. Oh yeah. Have you ever had that? No, you know, I I have my I've got a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of silly <laughs> rules. Things that really shouldn't be a thing, but they are for some bizarre reason. And so for a while there I just decided I don't know, crawfish seemed gross to me, so I stopped eating them. And now I'm back to eating them, but if I've given if I'm given That's a choice bad between timing. Why? Because oh, because it's no. But I mean, this was the like season's almost over. No, but this is like years ago. I just I had a oh, okay. I had a couple of years running that I didn't do crawfish. But I've gone back to eating crawfish this year. But I just don't I don't like them as much as shrimp or crab. I mean, crab's kind of like the king to me. To me, it's shrimp, crawfish, and oysters. Really, like, and and seafoods. And you're not really and, you're not into crab. Nah, That's good because nah. crab's the most expensive by far. Yeah, and I think it's the least demonstrative taste. I mean, Maybe that's why I like it. It's like, you know, I don't really like really, really strong flavors. So That's like people that, you know, I like fish. Yeah, what, what kind of fish do you like? Well, you know, like the one that they use at McDonald's. Yeah, you know? right, right. It <laughs> no, is actually like really fish. good. That's why it's overfished. Cod is really good. Oh, God, you got to be kidding. Have, have you cooked cod just... Bake it. No, it is nasty. It doesn't have. Well, it doesn't have a flavor. Uh, well, the the the. Are you talking about the salt cod that you reconstitute? No, no, okay. no. My wife bought some cod. We were eating fish on a diet that, and she bought cod at Rouse's. Mm-hmm. And you you're supposed to cook it with fennel and all in this, and the texture was just nasty, and the flavor was nothing. You sure it wasn't tilapia? No, no, I know tilapia. Okay. And tilapia. Yeah. Similar, 
But the texture is even worse than the texture for tilapia. Oh, I can't imagine that. It is. I it can't is. imagine. Well, then I don't understand because I, I um, maybe it's haddock. That's Pollock and haddock uh, that they use in McDonald's. Okay. Okay. Well, then that must be it because haddock is good. Point. I love the, haddock. The, the crab, the imitation crab meat. Yeah. That's Pollock, mm. which is. You know, a North Sea fish. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, anything, in my opinion, that starts out with the word imitation is probably something you want to stay away from. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if they said, would you like a Pollock stick? Well, I don't, I didn't even know, you know that. It's, it's supposed to resemble crab meat, and, you know, and that's like they say, doing that with sheep's head. You know, you boil the sheep's head in in cheesecloth, sheep's head the fish, and they say, "Oh, it's you know just like crab meat." Well, okay, it's imitation crab meat. Yeah, no, I'd rather the. It, to me, the most disgusting of those imitation things is when they use. The, you know what? I, ew, I don't even want to think about it. When they would take the skate fish and cut the little round shapes and pretend oh, they were like, scallops. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 yeah. Right. Sorry, I can't. I can't do that. That's disgusting. Anyway, yeah. all right, Steve. Thank you for calling. Later. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. That's two six zero menu. We did. We need a, another break, don't we, Doug? No. Yeah, let's go ahead and take it down. Yeah. We'll be back. 2606368. That's the one piece of music bumper, or the one piece of bumper music that I like. What is that? Oh, start all over again. Yeah. Okay. 2606368 is the number. That's 260-MENU. We were talking about licorice and broccoli, and uh, we haven't really gotten anything going, so I'm going to throw out yet another thing to talk about, which is Worcestershire sauce. Today is the day that uh, Lord Marcus Stanley, John Lee, and William Perrins created the uh, sauce for Lord Marcus Stanley, who had just returned to England after many years in India, and he wanted to duplicate the sauce that he really liked there, and that was probably Southeast Asian fish sauce. And Worcestershire sauce is very similar to that. What is that? It's called Numak, I think. Tom has some, and he uses it every now and then. The pharmacist concocted the sauce from fermented anchovies, tamarinds, molasses, vinegar, garlic, chili peppers, cloves, and a few other things. The first attempt tasted horrible. They left it in a barrel in their basement and forgot about it for two years. When they found it again, they discovered that it had aged into something rather good. The sauce was named for Lee and Perrins and for their hometown, Worcester. Hmm. I didn't know that. What, wait, Worcestershire sauce? Yeah, that's how I say it. Anyway, I, uh, I like Worcestershire sauce, and I use it in a lot of things, but I also use... Um, what is the sauce that is, it's it's a Caribbean it's a Caribbean steak sauce that's made here. Does anybody know the name of that? It's made over um, I don't know if it's made over there, but it's sold. It's actually made it's in it's made in the Caribbean, but it's it's right next to Fury's restaurant. And it's a local company that distributes the sauce, but I can't remember the name of it. And I used to make it I used to make a it was kind of a um, 
pimento cheese before pimento cheese became all the rage. It was cheese, like a cheddar cheese, and cream cheese. And um, I think the only other thing that was in this is whatever that sauce is that I can't think of, which is a Caribbean sauce, and they are distributing it or selling it out of the building that is right next to Fury's. If anybody goes to Fury's and knows the people that I'm talking about, give me a call because it's going to drive me crazy. But it's a local thing. And uh, I use that in lieu of Worcestershire sauce. They really don't taste the same. Um, and I don't really I don't really use that sauce as much anymore because I don't really have any of it. But I, I do use Worcestershire also now in pimento cheese, and that works really well. I also like to take Worcestershire sauce, and if I've got steak left over from a restaurant, I'll slice it really thin, and I'll put butter. Thank you. <laughs> Pick a pepper, yeah. Uh, it, boy, that is popular here. And I will, um, I'll take the pan and like just do a little a little uh, coating of butter and then put Worcestershire sauce in there and then slice the steak and coat it with the Worcestershire and I think that's really good for leftover steak anyway um, pick a pepper before <laughs> this goes back to like a long time ago like college days when people had simpler tastes and they and I and I know people are going to scream at the radio when I say this, but when people had simpler tastes, and you didn't go through quite as much trouble to do, do I, is there a call there, Doug? Am I, no, okay. And um, and you didn't go through as much trouble to bring an appetizer to a party. Well, it was really really popular. I would say maybe thirty or forty years ago, and I know people are still doing it, and I'm. I'm not saying anything about it because a lot of people really, really do like this. But it's just like a you open up a package of cream cheese and you douse it in pick a pepper sauce and you serve it with crackers. Is that the right recipe? I mean, I don't pay enough attention to this thing to notice if that's if that's quite right, but I've, I, I always think of when I see that, I always think, well, you know, maybe a little bit more ambition might have been a good thing if you're going to, if you're going to bring an appetizer somewhere. Anyway, 260-6368, uh, pick a pepper sauce has its own unique flavor. I think it's a lot sweeter than Worcestershire. It's about the same color. It's a little thicker. It seems to have a little more tamarind if I'm guessing correctly because there's sort of like a like a sludge maybe to it but I I'm not really sure because I don't I don't eat it too much I've moved to Worcestershire for my pick a pepper sauce not not pick a pepper for my um pimento cheese two six zero six three six eight is the number Porter and Luke is a wonderful neighborhood place in Metairie, and it is tucked away in that little shopping center by Walgreens and Oakland Heart. They're, they're sort of on opposite sides of that shopping center. And there are a couple of restaurants in the shopping center, but to me, there's only one, and that is Porter and Luke. It is a neighborhood restaurant, 
someone said, obviously they've gotten a lot of attention from all the spots that we're doing here. And so, and they're also on our website. Um, but someone sent an email saying that, you know, I, I really like Porter and Luke, but they serve, uh, they serve your drink in those plastic cups. And I feel like they shouldn't do that if they, you know, want to be a serious restaurant. And I don't like those plastic cups either. And whenever I see them, I, I just, I think, ugh, you know, but I don't, for some reason, I don't mind there because first of all, I'm used to it. And second, it's a neighborhood restaurant. I mean, it basically is a neighborhood restaurant. It, it has a little more of an upscale vibe to it than your basic neighborhood restaurant. They have uh, white uh, fake tablecloths, you know, the paper ones. And, um, and I just don't think they're trying to be pretentious in any way. I don't necessarily think that's pretentious. I think that's a very classy thing to do, to have a white tablecloth. But I don't really feel like it's necessary. And so they sort of are a hybrid. They have, you know, the the paper white tablecloths. But I'm much more concerned about the food there, which is just really, really good. It's excellent comfort food. There's a thing that I need to try at some point, which is kind of like this braised chicken it's not a soup, but it's a really thick kind of sauce. It would be like um, chicken pot pie or chicken and dumplings with, you know, sheets of pasta in it. That looks really good. It's on my list of things to try. But I can't get past the club sandwich, which I think is the best in town. There is also something they're very famous for. It's a signature dish, which is a fried eggplant half, like a bowl, stuffed with seafood stuffing. And that is served over angel hair pasta in a cream sauce, really low-cal, let me tell you. Anyway, there's a lot of great stuff, and you don't have to eat like that at Porter & Luke. There are salads, and they're great salads. They have a really great uh, ham shank or sausage or pork chop with their red beans when they have that. And uh, it looks, you know, it's it's a good menu. And it's kind of hard to decide because it is as good as it looks. That's Porter and Luke, 1517 Metairie Road in Metairie. Do go check it out. We are talking about, I was talking about Del Porto because I had, uh, we'd just gone to Del Porto last night for dinner. And Tom had the nudie, which is essentially like a gnocchi. I don't know why they call it nudie, but anyway. Um, and I had the pizzetta, which I would have eaten two more of because it was really, really that good. And we had the frito misto. But then we wound up getting, I, I got what I really wanted to get there, which is their antipasta board, which I think or I thought was the best in the city. And I remember it being $25 and we had sort of a we had sort of a situation. I saw it on the menu and it has salumi on it. It has cheese and salumi and fruit and grilled vegetables and these great little ciabatta like like strips is what they are. Grilled ciabatta strips. And a lot of olives. And um and so I saw Salumi, and I said, what's different about it? Because this one's $16. Is this like a smaller portion or something? I said, it's usually $25, because I think that's a substantial thing in a restaurant to have something that's $25, especially as an appetizer. I mean, something that you would eat with four other people. 
So he said, no, um, no, it's $16. And, and I thought, well, gosh, they must have changed it in some way. So we wait, and what comes to the table is the Salumi board, but it's not what I thought it was. It was, I was thinking the antipasti board, which is $25, and it was at the top of the menu, so I didn't see it. So what comes to the table is this board of meats that I am not likely to eat, things like duck and and caprese and things like that, and um, a, a gigantic pile of pork rinds and fried bread. And none of this, and, and like mango marmalade and stuff like that. And so none of this stuff was really appealing to me. And I said, well, this isn't, do you really change this? And he said, no, this is this is a salumi board. And I, I said, well, gosh, it looks a whole lot different. I mean, it's like not even remotely like the thing I remember. And I said, so I guess that's why it's $16 instead of 25 And it was all of a sudden, it was like this lightning bolt hit the waiter. And he goes, oh, I think you mean the antipasti board, which is $25 right here at the top of the menu. So I felt bad because I wasn't going to eat anything of what I had ordered. And I had ordered the wrong thing. And he felt bad because he should have had it clicked in his mind if she's saying this it's $25, then here's this thing that's $25. So we got lucky because, and this was kind of surprising to me, because they put it down on the table. And then he picked it up to go bring it back to the kitchen, which he insisted on doing. And the table next to us said, whoa, 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 whoa. That looked great on the way out. So you can just drop that off right here, and we'll take care of it for you. So I don't know if the restaurant charge them for that. I mean, it, it was untouched, but it did land at our table. I don't know if they, I don't know if they planned on paying for it. I don't know what was going to happen. But she said, you know, they'll eat it in the kitchen for sure. But why have the kitchen eat it when I'm very happy to eat it? So they left it there. And then he brought me the right one, the one that I thought I was ordering for $25. But that too was different. It was a little bit it wasn't smaller. It was the same price, and it had a lot of the same things on it, but it also had a lot of different things on it. And I have to say that I love it, but I didn't love it as much as I normally love it. But that is one of the best antipasti boards around town, and really, honestly, one of the best everything in town can be found at Del Porto, in my opinion. That is just my opinion, and it is my favorite restaurant in town. You are listening to Marianne Fitzmaurice. In- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 